familiar passage of Scripture. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came, or then came she, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Then the woman said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall, fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I want to preach to you for just a few moments, if the Holy Ghost will let me, about being delivered to empower, and being empowered to deliver. We're on this empowerment series and being empowered. The Holy Spirit spoke to me this week and said, you can't go any farther about being full of power, empowered, without first being delivered and set free. You can't know true power until you have freedom. There is no power in bondage. There's power in freedom. And so I want to speak to you about being delivered to be empowered and being empowered You see, there are some prerequisites that must happen for empowerment that we must achieve. Before I go any farther, I want to pray. Bow your heads one more time with me. Father, Lord, you know what we have need of before we ever even ask. God, we've petitioned you for so many needs in the house today. There are loved ones that are in the hospital and ICU surgery, God. There are loved ones that we care enough about them to petition you. But right now, I petition you on behalf of every soul sitting in this room. God, I pray your blood would begin to cover. God, your blood would begin to cover. Let your blood cover and saturate this room, God. Let the anointing permeate throughout this house. God, as I preach the word, Lord, let not one moment go by where there's not a saturation of your anointing. God, that every word would pierce the heart of the believer and unbeliever alike. That they would recognize the things in their life that are not pleasing to you. That they would recognize the areas of bondage that they have. And God, that you would set them free and deliver them today. 
so that they may be empowered by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, there are some prerequisites that are that have to be set in, if we're going to achieve an empowerment in, in, in God's economy. And we've talked about last week, empowered. It's a lifestyle. If you're going to be in 2018, I want to be an empowered church. I don't, you know, there are churches all around Springfield. And I don't know who I was talking to, but I told them this the other day. I said, I know that we cannot compete with the James River for programs. I know that we cannot compete with the North Point for, for what good things that they have going on and the things that they can offer families and the things that they can offer children and the things that they can offer all these different age groups and all of that stuff. But I said, I guarantee you that if it's up to me and my prayer life and what God has called me to, that there is no, there's no other church that will supersede us in the power of God being manifest in this place. I'm telling you that I, we can't compete with them on many, many levels. But I, it's not a competition anyway. But what I'm telling you is the only thing that I know that we can do and do successfully every week is we can have the power of God flow throughout these church pews, flow throughout this building and go out of this place and empower us to live a godly life. So I began 2018 with a series called Empowerment. Being empowered. And the second piece of that is that we must be delivered to be empowered. In order to function in the empowerment of God, you cannot be bound by other powers. We're talking about empowerment, and how can we be empowered by God's Spirit if we are yet bonded and bound by other spirits? The world, the spirit of the world, and the spirit of righteousness are enmity against one another. They cannot cohabitate. They cannot, they cannot work together. And I've got to tell you this morning that, that, that there are so many people in this church and every church. Man, I hope that people will tune in and get through my tears and get past all the, 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 the other stuff and hear what I'm saying on Facebook and the world around us, that they need to be set free from bondage so that they can be empowered by the Spirit of God. Because I'm telling you that your level of bondage directly reflects the lack of level of spiritual power that you have in your life. To whatever level you allow yourself to be bound, that is the, that is the, the, the ceiling, if you will, for the level of power that God can manifest in your life. I'm telling you that if you can't come to church and lift your hands in praise, don't think God's going to use you to heal the sick. If you can't lift your hands in praise, don't think you can lay your hands and heal. If you can't lift your voice and pray and praise and, and speak in other tongues, don't think that you can lift your voice and prophesy to someone and see something manifest in their life. If you can't speak out the word of God with the wisdom that's contained in this word, then don't think for a minute that you have word of wisdom, gift of the spirit that you can speak some kind of wisdom into someone's life. If you don't know the word, then you don't have the word. The level of your bondage determines the level of your power. They're direct opposites. And we've got to be broken free 
from the things that bind us. Listen, and I know I'm not just talking to us. Like I'm literally talking to everyone in the room today. Everybody in this place needs to check yourself today and say, are there things that are binding me? Are there things that are hindering my walk with God? Because anything that's hindering your walk with God, anything that's hindering your worship, anything that's hindering your praise, anything that's hindering your prayer life, anything that's hindering you getting into the word of God, anything that's hindering your spiritual growth is a bondage. It is holding you back. It's literally a chain. It's literally shackles on you. Binding you. Let's get right down to it. You know, this is a touchy subject. I told Brother Dave last night, I said, I, I know you're not going to be there. I want you to pray for me because I'm praying. Uh, I, I'm preaching on a subject that's kind of taboo. He said, while I'm gone, you preach to Brother Tim. Amen. I said, I'm preaching on a subject that's kind of taboo in the church world. You know, this is a subject that very few people talk about deliverance very few people talk about it everybody's got an opinion about it and nobody's got any education in it that's really the reality of this situation I've been as guilty as anybody else just I'll give you my opinion about it but I'm not educated to it how many of you, that goes that goes across the board Facebook will prove that all day long people will give you their opinion without education. Amen. But this particular subject is very it's very taboo because uh, there are certain circles throughout the church world where deliverance has become a, a type of ministry and it's been uh, it's been I guess you could say over propagated maybe and that uh, you know you have manifestations that are happening just all over in every church service and they you know and they break out towels and you know, and there are people vomiting on the floor all the time. I don't know about you, but I just wouldn't want to have to clean the floors all the time. Um, but but it's a taboo subject, and I, I, I but I want to hit it head on today because I believe that whether we would recognize it or not, so many of us are bound with some form of bondage or another, and it directly hinders your ability to walk an empowered lifestyle with God. You see. Many of us, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and preach to the young people right now because you won't have heard this analogy. I want you to understand this. In the circus, I need you to picture this with me because I can't do this illustrated. I wish I could have brought an elephant in today, but I couldn't. But in the circus, they will take a baby elephant that they're going to use in that circus. And the, uh, I, I don't know his name, the, the, the ring, sir, ringleader circus master, whatever his name is, ringmaster, he will take that elephant from its birth and he will actually put a leash around its neck and he will chain it to a stake in the ground. And that elephant will pull and jerk, but he can't get outside the sphere that he's been bound to. He's been bound in that place. He can, he can go so far, but he can only go so far because he's been bound there. The stake is, you know, like a tent stake, and so it goes in the ground X amount of feet, you know, two feet, and 
and then they've got a chain tied to it, and the, the elephant's just circling around. After several weeks, that elephant knows his boundary. Have you ever seen a, a, a corral or anything where animals go? There's a, there's a trail around the outside edge of any, any fenced-in area. If you run cattle or anything, you would know that inside any fenced-in area, there's a perimeter trail because animals are all the time just checking out, where am I bound to? What, is my, what are my perimeters? What are my boundaries? Where do I go? And there's a, there's a, there's a trail all the way around. This elephant, he's chained down to the stake in the ground. But how many of y'all know that an elephant with the power and mass of an adult elephant, that one day he would be able to grow up and with the turn of his head, he would be able to pull that stake out of the ground. With just a, just a flip of his neck, he could pull that stake straight out of the ground and that chain that's holding him would no longer hold him. But you see, the problem is he had been conditioned from an early age to just walk in that circle. That that chain that's binding him was enough to hold him. And so here you see this full-size elephant that's being held by a little bitty chain connected to a little bitty stake that he is absolutely able to pull away and be set free from, but he's been conditioned to not pull away from that chain. That's the condition that so many young people, so many seniors, so many, everybody finds ourselves in because we've been conditioned by this world. We can only go so far. You can only do so much. You can only be, only be this much. You were raised in the wrong household to be somebody special. You were, you know, you, you, you're not skinny enough to be, you know, to be somebody special. You're, you're, not, you're not athletic enough to be somebody special. You've been conditioned. You've got this chain that's telling you you can go this far but no farther. When really, as you begin to grow, you have the ability to be able to pull, yank that chain right out of the way and, and be able to walk on and be able to go without borders, without perimeters. But yet we get conditioned into that place. And I'm telling you, that one touch of God's blood, one blood, one touch of his blood is enough to break that chain off of your life. But you've got to be able to get out of the mindset that you were born with or that you were brought into that says that I can only go this far. I, I'm only conditioned to be able to go in my little circle of influence. I can only reach the people that come inside my circle of influence. I can't be a witness to those out there because I can't go beyond my perimeters, beyond my borders. And God is saying, let me break the chain off of you this morning. Let me break your chains this morning. God's people are by, bound by these things. I need to just, I listed several, some I may not have listed, but I need you to hear this this morning because some of you are like, you know what, this is great, but it's not for me. I'm just going to get right on your front doorstep this morning. God's people are bound by things like this, fear, I think if there's anything that stops the church from moving, it's fear. Fear. Well, fear looks so many different ways. Fear has so many different faces. Fear can look like inadequacy. Oh, I would step out and do that ministry, but I'm not as good as somebody else. Fear. Identity. A crisis of identity. 
I don't even know who I am. Why? Because I'm scared. I'm fearful to let God make me individual. I have a fear of just being who God's called me to be. And so I will change my identity, shift who I am to be something else that I'm not. Why? Because of the spirit of fear. I would... I would venture out and do more things and and, and be more uh, friendly if I wasn't scared of being hurt. Someone's hurt me. Fear. So many people in the church are bound by the spirit of fear. You know, we use this word addiction. Addiction. Well, of course, all the glorified, dignified saints that come on Sunday morning aren't bound by any addiction. They're able to get up, put on their Sunday best and come to church and they obviously don't have addictions because we know what people that have addictions look like. They look like, you know, they're on the streets or are they, you know, you can see needle tracks up their arms or, you know, they actually geeked out or tweaked out or, or, or whatever it is. And so we know what people who have addictions look like. It couldn't be us. But I'm telling you that there are people who sit in the pew There are people who don the pulpit that are bound by addiction. In today's culture, in today's world, under the sound of my voice, in this room today, there are people who are addicted. They're addicted maybe to drugs, maybe to alcohol. Addicted, it's gripping. Maybe prescription drugs. Oh, the doctor gave it to me, it's all good. No, it's not all good because you should have been off of it a long time ago because God wants you to be free. I've, I've, I've told this story once before. I want to tell it again. I, uh, there's a ministry leader up in, in, in Illinois, and she testifies about how she wanted to go on a mission trip, but she couldn't go because she, could, she couldn't be without her medicine for the length of time that, it needed to, that she needed to be gone. She was bound by prescription drugs, thinking that she was fine. Everything was hunky-dory. She was a good Christian woman. She was living her life and loving God, but then when it came time to do what God called her to do, she was bound to the point that she couldn't go because she was bound to a prescription drug. It's an addiction. Addiction to pornography. It's going to get right up in the business today. I said earlier in my prayer, lasciviousness. That's a sexual addiction. If your mind, young people, can't think of anything besides, besides sexual things, you have a bondage. sensual bondage called lasciviousness. Lust. Greed. How many people in the church are bound by greed? Prosperity. Oh, we've got to be blessed. We've got to be. We've got to have all the most money. Why? So that I have the most money. Greed. I've got to have it. Pride. Probably next to fear, the thing that binds the church the very most is pride. We're proud of who we are. We we get so proud of God that we take it upon ourselves to have pride too. Power and control that come with pride. There's just really an offshoot, an offshoot of that. But power, control, that Jezebel kind of spirit, which pride is behind. 
complacency. Complacency. I'm good. We're good. I go to church on Sunday. That makes me good. I, 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 I do this or that, or I read my Bible, or I pray. You know, I do what, what I'm, but, but nothing's changing. There's no newness in my life. There's no zeal for God. There's no power of God flowing in me. Why? Because you're complacent. You're lukewarm. And God said in the last days, he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I would that you would be hot or cold. He said, if you're going to be a sinner, just go on the other side and just sin. But don't be lukewarm because it's, it's gross. Complacency. More of the church is in complacency than not. There are very few churches that are on fire. Depression. The Bible calls it a spirit of heaviness. Oftentimes results from fear. Oftentimes fear is behind it. But depression. I don't know how many times I've met with people who have a root of bitterness, but they call themselves a Christian. Now, they very well may be a Christian. I need you to hear my heart this morning. You can be a Christian and be bound by things. You can be a Christian. I, I need you, to, I, if you write notes, write it down. You can be a Christian and be bound by bondage and need deliverance. You can. I don't need the scripture to tell me. That, that sounds bad. I know I'm, I've, I've got to preach the scripture. But I don't need the preacher to tell me when every part of your life lines up with the word of God, but you have bondage in your life and you know that you do. That tells me that you are yet bearing the fruits of a good tree and yet you still have bondage in your life. Who am I to tell you that you don't have a relationship with God? You're just bound in a certain area. Loss of identity, I already spoke to that. Poverty. We talked about pride and greed, but on the flip side, there's poverty. The spirit of poverty. I've got to be poor. Blessed are the poor. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He didn't say blessed are the poor. The spirit of poverty is all over the church. We've got to be broken down. And I think we're coming out of that, but the problem is we're coming out of it and then going to the to the prosperity side. So we've got to find the middle somewhere. The reality is God wants his people to be have life and have it more abundantly. Be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, but only blessed to be a blessing and to, to give good gifts and to be a, the hand, the outreaching arm of God. Busyness. Some would call it a distraction. I would go to church more, but I'm just busy. I would read my Bible more, but I'm just busy. I'm too busy. I work too much. I'm just too busy. I would I would serve at the church, but I'm a little too busy to do that. And you understand that, I mean, this is the lifestyle that we live. It's the 21st century. So I would go to church more. I would go on Sunday. I know, you know what? I commend you, young people, that you're here today on Sunday morning. I love, I, I, it makes my heart happy that you chose to come to church on Sunday morning. You could come on Wednesday night, and that's your night, but it's special to me that you chose on Sunday morning to come be a part of the full church, to be a part of the whole family. Let's give them a round of applause, matter of fact, that the young people came. 
But there are many people who would say, I would do this for God, but I'm a little too busy. I've got too many things going on in my life. And really all that is is the spirit of distraction because everything that is not godly that takes away your time is just simply a distraction that the devil is trying to use to keep you from fulfilling your purpose that God has for your life. Leonard Ravenhill said it like this, entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. We can keep ourselves entertained all day long, but man, if we would just let it go, get a hold of the joy of the Lord, all of a sudden we'd have more strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength. All of a sudden we'd be stronger and not bound by the things of this world and the systems of this world. And I don't need to get my enjoyment all of a sudden from watching TV, but I can get it from the joy of the Lord. And I and all of a sudden church becomes more important to me because I know that the joy of the Lord is there. It's a reciprocation. It just goes gooder and gooder. I mean, I mean you can't you can't outdo God. And so when you just turn over that leaf, then then you'll be able to go down that path and say, I just want the joy of the Lord. I don't need the substitute that the enemy's given. But right now we're bound by distraction. Many of us are bound by busyness and distraction. But we must all be freed from bondage in order to function completely in an empowered lifestyle. That was page one of four. There's no way I'm getting through this one. I'm going to skim over to look at the narrative. There are three pieces that I really want to point out in this narrative that will help you if you are in bondage today. And I hope that under the sound of my voice, you're hearing this scripture, you're hearing this message, and you're letting it sink into your heart. Because at the end, we're going to pray. And I I promise I'm going to go as, as quick as I can through these next three pages of notes. First thing that you need to notice is that Jesus, when he finally answered her, and we're going to kind of work backward. These are not chronological with the story. But Jesus, when he finally answered her, he said, it is not, it is not, uh, I'm, I got to paraphrase. It's not good to give the children bread to the dogs. Can you pull up that scripture for me? That Matthew 15, I think it was 20. Jesus, he answered her and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now, I need you to understand that this woman was not a Jew. She was not of the chosen people. She wasn't who Jesus was trying to minister to. Matter of fact, if you really do your research on this uh, this portion of the scripture, he was kind of trying to get away from people at this time. He had just left a massive crowd, and when Mark records this, it says that he tried to get away and be hidden, but he could not be hidden because this woman came and ran him down. Okay? And she, and she tells him, that she, her daughter is vexed with the devil. That her daughter is vexed with the devil. And I need to tell you there that uh, there, there's a couple things that I need to point out. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I'm trying to figure out how to make sense. It's not fit. It's not meat to give the children's bread to the dogs. First of all, I was raised my whole life hearing a slogan, hearing a phrase that said that healing is the children's bread. Have you ever heard that? That healing is the children's bread. I have heard that in church 
church service this morning. I, I took it as, as gospel, that healing is the children's bread. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that healing is the children's bread. This is where that phrase comes from. And this is not a story of healing. But because of the taboo nature of deliverance, the church has somewhere along the way manipulated that really deliverance is the children's bread. But the church has changed it to healing because healing is a much easier word to talk about. Deliverance is a, is a harder word to talk about. But the reality is, if he was talking about the children's bread, and this, this woman's daughter needed deliverance, then, then that would mean that the children's bread was actually deliverance. I, I believe that that tells us a couple things that are pretty important. What is, what's significant about bread? I'm going cheesy all of a sudden. What's significant about bread? Bread is something you need to sustain yourself. It, it, the, br the bread, our daily bread, is what we take in. It's what we eat. Give us this day our daily bread, right? The, your bread represents what you need to ingest every day to be strong, what you need to ingest every day to be empowered, what you need to ingest every day. And so what he is saying is this is the children's bread, and if bread is to be taken daily, what is, you know what I, I feel, and, and you may think this is a stretch, but what I feel like he, this is signifying is that maybe deliverance is something that we need to check in on regularly. If, if, if really deliverance is the children's bread, and we ought to be partakers of bread every day, then maybe we ought to check and make sure that we're not being bound at any given time by any given thing. Maybe we need to check ourselves on a daily basis to see if there's something that we need to be delivered from. You know, David said it like, and, and other psalmists said it, in several places, I could go through and quote out the psalm. There's, you know, there's Psalms 34, 17. There's Psalms 107, 6. There's Psalms 50 and 15. There's Psalms 34 and 4. He said, I called on you in the day of my trouble, and thou delivered me. Thou delivered me from the hand of mine enemies. And then he says, and in, in, uh, in, in I think it is 34 and 4, he said, thou delivered me from fear. Thou delivered me from fear. So it's not just about some enemy that's over there that's trying to overtake you. He was talking about a fear that was inside of him and God being his deliverer. And so David kind of grabbed on to this concept of what it meant to need to go to God and ask for deliverance regularly. The children's bread. The children's bread. It's actually, it's actually not healing. It's deliverance. And the Bible says that this woman's daughter was vexed with the devil. And I feel a need right here that this, this brings up two questions that I believe are very important. And I, I'm, I'm really trying. I may not even get there. I may just have to stop. Um, but but two, two questions that, that are raised by this story. The Bible says that this, this woman's daughter was vexed with the devil. And it, and it leaves this question. I think that many people have asked this question. Can a person be bound by a demon without being possessed? question mark. Can a person be bound by a devil without being possessed by the devil? And then number two, can saved people be bound by demons? I already answered number two a little bit out of, out of turn, 
But I want to answer those two questions. Answer number one, uh, I, I put in my notes, we'll find out later that a demon can affect and bind many people without directly possessing them. I can give you scriptural reference for that. I don't think the t- today's time will permit. But uh, that a, a demon can directly uh, can can affect you, can bind you without directly possessing you. So you can be bound by a devil without being possessed by a devil. And then secondly, can saved people be bound by demons? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I want to go a step farther and just put this out there for the record that I don't believe that a Christian can be possessed by a devil. There's no scripture. We always say, oh, the, the Holy Ghost can't dwell in an unclean temple. Well, that's scripture if you believe in Mormonism. That's in that book that Joseph uh, Smith or whatever wrote. But that's not in the scripture. Okay? Um, it doesn't say that he can't dwell in an unclean temple. But if you would look, and I'm going to take the time just for a moment. This is, this is going all kinds of directions with me this morning. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I just want to begin reading at verse number 14. And I, I, you, don't, you can go there if you want to, but I want you to just hear what the scripture says, okay? And this is just one example. You can cite so many. But it says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Um, stop, side note. That scripture says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Please don't go playing the rape card or anything else and saying that you're unequally yoked because of the color of your skin or because of your ethnic background or because of this or because of that. It's believer and unbeliever. Okay? Does everybody understand that? Okay, because God is a God of every tribe and every nation, every tongue. And he doesn't he 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 does not see the color of your skin. He does not see you know all those racial things. I'm telling you that's a lie out the pits of hell. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness and unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord is Christ with Belial or Baal? Or what hath uh, he that believeth with the infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. I will receive you, and will be your father, uh, be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Verse number one of chapter number seven is where I'm going to stop. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I feel like in a, it, maybe not in an absolute direct answer to the question, this does answer the question of whether or not a believer, a, a Christian with Jesus or the Holy Ghost residing inside of them can be possessed, taken over, possession. You understand what possession means? It means ownership. Can be owned by a, de- a devil. I believe that that is... That is spiritually impossible because God says that what fellowship hath light with darkness and if you are the light of the world what fellowship does your light have with any darkness 
And then it says that he said, I will be their God and they will be my people and I will live inside of them. And then it goes on in verse number one of chapter seven to say, then having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. He says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spiritual things. Let us cleanse ourselves from any spiritual uncleanliness, filthiness. Amen. And so I believe that and, and I can I can quote you several other or cite you several other examples. But I believe for this reason, many reasons like this, that even though it's not scriptural, when God lives inside of you, he does not scoot over so that a demon can take over your body and possess you and manifest in you and begin to control your life. You are either controlled. You have two. You have you have three options for a pilot. You can pilot yourself just by yourself and let you be the ruler of yourself and be absorbed with yourself. Amen. You can be the lover of self. You can be possessed by a devil. And so you've got a pilot that is a devil that is piloting your ship and telling you what to do, where to go, how to be and how to act and what to say. Okay. And then you can have God as your pilot and he could be directing your path and directing your ways and be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path and let it giving you the discernment to know which way to go. Okay. So what I'm saying this morning is that you cannot be both a Christian and possessed by a devil, but you absolutely can be oppressed, bound by a devil. Amen. Um, I'm moving on. I don't I really need I'm going to quit here in just a minute. Uh, something that I need you to hear is is this. Um, and I believe it solidifies the fact that also that you can be bound by a devil without being possessed by a devil. But you can be a Christian and be bound Um is that she said something when she yelled out to Jesus. The Bible says that another woman came from that coast. It was in like the, the 21st or 22nd verse there. It says that she came uh, from the same coast of Canaan, and she cried out to him. And I have the Greek word in my notes, but the, the Greek word there uh, starts with a K, and it's hard to pronounce. Um, I think it's tragavo or something like that. And what it means is to cry out from afar. So the first time that she yelled out to him and said, have mercy on me, she was yelling from a distance to Jesus. And I have to tell you that when, sometimes when you have bondage in your life and sometimes when you have things that you need to have deliverance from, God feels far away. She was yelling from afar, God have mercy on me. And a while ago, I could not get past it. I was a bag of tears because as I began to say, deliverer, come set me free. I could just see that woman yelling out from afar saying, God, have mercy on me from a distance because it seems like when you're bound with different things that that bondage can pull you so far away from God that you feel like the heavens are brass, that you feel like you can't get through to God and he is not hearing you. And look, even in this story, even in this narrative, she yells out, God, have mercy on me. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And God ignores her. How many of you all have ever been bound and felt like God is ignoring me? He's ignoring me. He may very well be ignoring you, but he will still move upon your faith if you'll just but go farther. 
If you'll just but press in a little bit more. If you'll just go into the deeper things and say, God, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to be persistent. You said uh, that it's not meat to give. Uh, it's not meat to give the children's bread to the dogs. But she said it's okay because I'll take the crumbs off the master's table. I'm humble. I'll do whatever it takes to get my deliverance. Maybe you're far away from God right now. Maybe he's far away from you. But keep pressing in. Keep pushing toward him because he will deliver you. He has to move upon faith. He cannot help it. He, he said faith is what pleases me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I'm telling you, he is moved by your faith. So if you stand from afar and you cry out, son of God, son of David, deliverer, deliver me. Have mercy on me. Save me. Help me. But he does not hear. Keep stepping toward him. Keep pushing in. Keep going to where he's at because he will deliver you. Last thing that I want to point out this morning, and I'm closing after this, is that she said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I need to submit to you today that it was not her who was bound by the devil. It was her daughter. She identified with her daughter. She didn't say, have mercy on my daughter. Thou son of David, have mercy on my daughter. She didn't run up before God and say, deliver her. Deliver someone else. She said, deliver me. Have mercy on me. I am convinced in my heart that if we would get as serious about other people's problems as we are about our own, that God would move. If we would get as serious about praying for others the way that we want to pray for ourselves, God would move. She said, she didn't say, have mercy, my daughter needs you. She said, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And I want to submit to you today that if her daughter was truly possessed with the devil, that she was suffering bondage from that same devil. So in some ways, she could say, have mercy on me. Because I'm telling you, anyone who's ever seen someone be bound so much by a certain type of demon, it affected many, many others around them. You think it's just you unto yourself. You may be dealing, you men, and listen, even on, the, even on the internet, you may be dealing with the spirit of lust. You may be dealing with the spirit of, uh, of sexual addiction. And, and, you know, and you think, well, it's private. It's unto myself. Nobody else is going gonna, is gonna to deal with that. I'm telling you, your bondage will spill over. Your bondage will spill over. I heard a preacher say not too many weeks ago, he said that when a, when a sin is private, it is in iniquity. When it's outward, it's a transgression. But God said, I will visit thee. I'm sorry, he, he, I, I said that backwards. When it's an inward sin, it's transgression. When it's an outward sin, it's iniquity. And he said, I will visit the transgressions of a father to the third and the fourth generation. So don't think that your sexual sin that you are so in private about will not carry over. Your bondage will carry over. Have mercy on me. I said I was closing. This is my close. She said, he said, it's not fit to give you the meat. It's not fit to give you the bread of the children. She said, yea. But the crumbs. Yea, but the crumbs. The crumbs are enough. 
God has enough power that the crumbs are enough. You don't need, you don't need the, the, the outreach mighty right arm of God to come down and break your bondage. The crumbs of God are enough. The blood is enough. One drop of his blood is enough to break every chain. You don't need him to come down and be crucified afresh. You don't need to be completely washed and bathed and baptized in his blood. All you need is one little drop. The crumbs of God are enough to set every captive free. There was enough. He said, if you have faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. He said, I I don't need you to have a big, great mountain. ministry. I don't need you to have a big, great anointing. All you need to do is touch a drop of heaven. Touch a crumb of heaven's anointing. Touch a crumb of a a crumb-sized piece of my blood, and it will break every chain off of your life. Somebody give the Lord praise in this place. Psalms chapter number 107, verse number 20 says that he sent his word and he healed them. And he delivered them. That's what it said. He sent his word and healed them. And he delivered them. And I want to go a step farther. The next line says, from their destruction. T-H-E-I-R. Their chose possession. I need you to understand something. That he said that he was he was going to save them and deliver them from their destruction, meaning that it was mine. I did it myself. There are people in the house today that are saying, I've done this to myself. God doesn't need to deliver me because I've put myself in this position. It does not matter, friend. I'm telling you, his blood, just a little crumb, is enough to deliver you and heal you and deliver you from your own destruction. You may be your own demise, but God said a little crumb is enough to deliver you from your own problems. You don't have to own it by yourself. You don't have to bear it by your he said, take your burdens to the cross and leave them there. He said, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. He said, I'll deliver you. I'll send my word, Jesus. I'll send the word of God, and I'll send the bread of life to you. And one little crumb of it will deliver you from your destruction, not from my destruction, not from the enemy's destruction, but from the thing that you've put upon yourself even. He will deliver you from yourself. Because many of us, were our own worst enemy you today. Stand with me to your feet. A morsel of the word. You see, the children's bread, What another representative of the bread is simply the word of God. The, uh, Jesus, when he was being tempted, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The word is the bread. This is our bread. Give us this day our daily bread. This is our daily bread. One morsel of this word. Hebrews said it like this. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it goes on and it says, uh, piercing even to the dividing of asunder of soul and spirit. We're talking about spiritual bondage. It will divide spirit. What will? The word, the sword, the quick two-edged sword of the word. How do I be delivered? You accept the blood. Get in the word. The word, he said, the truth, the truth shall set, shall set you free. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One more time. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I have preached about it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity, God, 
to come before you that you would deliver us. You are the mighty delivering God. And today, Lord, as we prepare 